who needs a drink. <laughs> well. Oh. All right. <laughs> uh, good afternoon. I have asked, I, I had a big ask this, uh, this week. I said, you know, this book club thing, um, it's kind of boring talking about books, just, you know, talking about them. Like, I just, I mean, and preaching. Who's more boring than your wife? No, nobody. <laughs> no, I'm saying, I thought it'd be wonderful. Um, um, one thing about us in our relationship is uh, reading was, uh, how do you say this? This was kind of a foundational piece of our of our courtship, of our romance. Um, I knew that I wanted to marry a woman who was widely read, um, right? Yeah. Because I wanted to talk to you about stuff. And I, I, I love to read. And you are an avid reader, different than the books I read. Yes. Um, I read Angie's books when we first got, when we first started talking. She has some books I never read before. Like your top three were like Jane Eyre, uh -huh. Pride and Prejudice. Uh -huh. NRM. Agatha Christie. And, and Agatha Christie. So all female authors. And I had not, not read any of them. And so uh, the, Jane Eyre changed my life. It's in my top five books of all time. Jane Eyre, um, it, it, it helped me in more ways than I can talk about right here on this, on this little book club. But we love books. And I thought instead of me just talking, we'll talk together and with everybody that comes. Um, my hope is that as we kind of uh, build... What's it called? Use them over and over again. Habit, yeah. routine. You know, Tuesday at lunch is book club time. Um, I hope that over time you will put comments and ask questions so we can talk about this. So I know some people have told me they can't get the book. The ordering it takes a long time. For us, we try to buy the book on discount. It took forever. We had to pay the 18 bucks to Amazon in order to get the book on time. Um, this is the nicer cover. This is the one that pays 18.99 to get, but it comes on time. Um, if you want to get the blue cover one, it's cheaper because it's used, but it often takes a long time to get to your house. You could also check your local library. It's true! They don't have it at Flint. I already looked. But. <laughs> yeah, we don't really, in our library. If you're in Grand Blank or Davis, you might have it at your library, and that saves you money. You don't got to buy something to read it. Nope. Um, Kindle's an option. I know I know Miss Lori read it on her Kindle, so that's pretty cool. Um, I think, I hope the sound's going through. Um, you know, babe, I mean, it should be going through. Why wouldn't it? I don't know. Um, wee, wee. Somebody um, will say if they can't hear it. Right? I don't know, but we don't have anybody on with us oh, yet. Nobody's watching. I know. Well, it's just two we're viewers. We're talking to ourselves. Um, we're talking to ourselves. Um, no comments yet. If you're watching this, let us know if you can hear anything. I hope I hope this is, I mean, the camera works up there. It's green light, so it should be, it should be working. Anyways, <laughs> we're going to pretend. Sounds coming through a little quiet. A little quiet. I can talk louder okay so um the life you've always wanted by john ortberg we're talking about spiritual disciplines what a scary word discipline um when we were kids we got disciplined you did um kindle for the wind on ah, nice nice so we, chapter one, we started with last week. So in chapter two this week, we begin chapter two, which is called Surprised by Change. And I, all I'm going to say about this chapter, I think that's for us to kind of really just remember in our heads as we move forward. He tells a, he tells a story at the very beginning about a church man. Hank, I believe his name is Henry Hank. I don't know. 
And Hank goes to church every week. Goes to church his whole life. I mean, he becomes an old man. And Hank doesn't change. He goes to church every week. And he's a crotchety young man. He's a crotchety old man. And no one's surprised by this. No one's surprised that Hank is a butt his whole life. And our author Ortberg makes observation like, why is no one surprised by this? Because when you read the Bible, it doesn't seem like... The Bible tells a story about people who are changed by Jesus. You know the Gospel of John. All the people who meet Jesus and their lives are changed by meeting him. Like Nicodemus gives the money back. You know, like Matthew leaves the tax booth and follows Christ around. The woman caught in adultery. Go and sin no more. People's lives are transformed by Jesus. But in our world, we're almost like, just, we just like, we just are, how would you say it? We're almost like disillusioned. Yeah. We think nobody changes. Everybody stays the same. And here it's like, this is not the, 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 the power that Jesus points to. The power Jesus points to that people changed. And we should not be surprised by the fact that people change. Dude, the story of Mabel chapter 1 brings you to tears. Mm -hmm. The story of that old woman who can, and, and, and alone in the hospital, completely content with Christ, that is a heart that has been changed and radically impacted by Jesus. That reminded me of my grandma. When I went to visit, the last time I went to see her at home before she passed, she was just talking about how excited she was to go to heaven and see Jesus. Like, it was all she could talk about. They actually, the staff at the home had to tell her to stop bursting into song because it was scaring the other residents because she was just so full of joy. So this is one of the, 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 the foundational pieces of this is that change is possible. So then he goes into this idea of change as a training versus trying. That's chapter 3. That essentially wishing for a change, hoping for change, is that how change happens. And we, we know this. Um, if I hope to learn how to play drums and never play the drums, I'm not going to learn how to play the drums. If I hope to speak Spanish someday, and never practice speaking Spanish, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And so the chapter training verse trying, he really defines for us what spiritual disciplines are and are not. Because these disciplines get a bad name. So we're going to go to page 46 together. Page 46 together. 45, my apologies. Page 45 in my copy, which you may not have my copy. Um, but he says spiritual disciplines are not a barometer of spirituality. So this does not make you a super Christian. Like doing these things to make you better than anybody else. That's where we start. Okay? And then he says, spiritual disciplines are not necessarily unpleasant. Now they can be. Okay, they don't have to be. Sometimes they're enjoyable, straight up. Three, spiritual disciplines are not a way to earn favor with God. And this is where a lot of us as, as Christians get um, messed up. A lot of us do things. Oh, subheading rather than the page. The subheading is right before a few key questions. The subheading is training versus trying to be like Jesus. That's where we were. Training versus trying to be like Jesus. Um, 
now oh, I just got what we were talking about speed disciplines mm-hmm. oh a lot of us think I need to pray so God will be happy with me so a lot of us think of these spiritual disciplines as things I must do for God to like me if I give money to the church God will be happy with me if I pray God will be happy with me if I am generous if I fast if I practice the Sabbath if I do these disciplines God will be happy with me for a lot of us the checklist for our spiritual life it's something we do because we don't want God to be mad at us it's it's really a lot of it's guilt based right we do it because we're like I'm a like, if I don't it's almost like so me and you go on a date most Mondays a lot of them been taken away because the kids schools all messed up but I go on a date on Monday. Now imagine if my thought process was, if I don't take Angie out, she's going to be mad at me. So I got to do this. It's my obligation to take her out in order to, to satiate, in order to like basically make her happy and not angry. So I, I'll drag my feet, you know, right? Yeah. Well, no. I don't do this. <laughs> like, I could drag my feet. Be all annoyed. Gotta take mm-hmm. my wife out to stink at lunch, you know, buddy. That's not what discipline's supposed to be. Disciplines instead are a step towards being close with God. And it's also a response to what we've already been given. Like I love the the Bonhoeffer quote that says, "Happy are they who know that discipleship simply means the life which springs from grace." Like it's a it's a response to the good that we've already been given, we want to be near to God because He's so good to us. And that's really the, 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 the that's the desire. Our desire is not it's not guilt based. It's 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 our desire is I want to be near to my Maker. I want to be near to Jesus. I want to be near my Father. And so that is the. I hope you know that's the foundation we're starting. This book should not make you feel bad. I don't do this. I don't do that. I'm a bad Christian. I hope this book stokes a fire in you and you long for him. It's also just helpful to have practical tools. Like a lot of times we just sit there thinking, I wish I were better in this way, but we don't know how to get there. And so having someone just break it down and give you practical steps that you can do is really helpful. That's really good, babe. Um, When my daughter learned to play basketball, uh, I, she wanted to play basketball with her school, and so I had no idea to teach her to play basketball because I am not a basketball player. I played football growing up, and so I didn't, didn't, didn't give her drills. I didn't know how to train her to be a better player. And a lot of us, when it comes to following Jesus, we don't know how to train in spiritual things. And this book's trying to give us different ways to train towards godliness, different ways to train towards being with Jesus. So that's kind of some foundational ideas that these disciplines. They cannot change us, per se, but they at least till up the soil to prepare it for change. These disciplines are not something we do to make God like us better, something we do to draw near to the God we already love. Okay? So no superstitions, no magic tricks. These are things we do because we love Jesus and want to be near Him. Amen. Dave, agree. Angie's she's, she's wicked smart. Wicked smart. Um, 
And I love the comments. I love the comments. It makes, it makes me happy to see these comments coming through. Uh, Dave Duran just said, love that we're living at, at it, Angie. They're just tools that help us grow closer to God. They don't earn us his love because we already have it. Amen. Amen. So disciplines. This is some foundational things about it, okay? Now he went going to three different disciplines, three different ones. And listen, you can't <laughs> you can't work on all all these things at one time. Seasons of life are different. Some seasons you do one thing, some seasons another. Don't think I'm gonna work on celebration on Monday and unhurried life on Wednesday, and I'm gonna work on my prayer life on Friday. These are not boxes to be checked, okay? These are practices to be learned, and different seasons do different things more. And they're, they're a starting point for kind of examining, just taking stock of your own life. Like, which areas could I really use some training in? And which areas are am I doing okay in? And, and just kind of examining and taking stock at what areas might, maybe could use a little more growth. Yeah, that's very, very wise, babe. Chapter 4 is called A D-Da Day. It's about the, uh, the discipline of celebration. The person I know who's the best at, at the, the discipline of celebration is your dad, babe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, her dad, Bob Sims, um, he celebrates his birthday every month. Yes. And so every every month on what day was he born? It's the second. Yeah. On the second of every single month, he has cake. Every, goes out to lunch, does something special, does something nice, ice cream. And just is glad he's alive. And that's all celebration is. It's just taking the things God has made and saying, man, isn't God good? And enjoying the good things made. This, and this is for, okay, listen. I put in this bucket birthday parties, anniversaries, Valentine's Day. Just celebrating good things you have. Um... Like, birthday parties are like, people always complain about, like, i got to go to a family birthday party. But, man, celebrating family and just eating together and laughing together and seeing everybody is not a bad thing. Um, celebration is simply the exercise of enjoying, exercise of, of enjoying life. Um, and Bob does a lot of things to celebrate. Whenever he goes to dinner, he gets oh, a yeah. dessert first. And my kids are like, Dad, why does Grandpa get dessert first? I'm like... Because he can. He just gets his dessert first because of what he likes, and he just, he's really good at celebrating. He is. He, yeah, I can I can tell you multiple just silly ways. I, I remember him doing a happy dance in the kitchen because it was garbage day, and <laughs> he got to take the trash out because it was something he got done off his checklist. Like, he was just, he he gets excited, and he just, he's a happy guy. <laughs> and I would, I would say we try to, we want to try to create, like, joy is part of the Christian life. I'm not saying there's not any, there's not suffering, okay? We're not saying that being sad is bad. It's not. There is a time to weep. But I, it feels like in a lot of our lives, this a lot of um, a lot of writing, a lot of Christian writing, there's always this dourness, seriousness. But there's joy in the Christian life. Like we we are loved. We're loved, and that's stinking awesome. We're loved. We're forgiven. We have hope. The, 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 there is sweet, good gifts that God gives. I mean, in my house, we have a tradition of dance parties. And we just dance and laugh together because it's just like, we're just happy to be alive, happy to be together. 
So celebration is something some of us aren't very good at. Some of us are sad sacks. Some of, and that's and that's just what personalities might have. Yeah. Um, some of us hate fun. Some of us hate fun. <laughs> I could say I hate fun. <laughs> but you know, like, and at the end of the school year, you know, what we do. We have a sleep a sleepover downstairs. All of us on the floor. Well, me and the two kids. And she goes, goes, goes. I hate fun. <laughs> she just wants to the, the floors uncomfortable. Yeah. But the kids love these are things that we do just to and I do a lot of with kids. Um because kids are great at celebrating. Kids, kids are kids, great at joy and yeah. It's in a kid's like DNA to mm-hmm. want to have a reason to celebrate. And it's something we lose as we get grow old though. It just gets beat out of us, I guess. I don't know. Um but celebration is something that is a, is good and godly, and uh, that's chapter four. After five, we go into an unhurried life. An unhurried life. And I, um, man, I have here, we'll get to that in a little bit. I have books to show you. Um, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's really good, Dave. That's really good, man. Um, in America, hurry is what we do. Mm-hmm. It's what we do. Fast food, if we have to wait in that line a little long, we're upset. Um, In Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline, he's quoted as saying, hurry is not of the devil, it is the devil. I think that's a good one oh, um, You might quote, did you quote Foster in there? Uh, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't realize Bart? that. Carl Bart? The Carl, okay, Foster was quoting Bart, <laughs> and then this guy quotes Bart did. too. Um, when we're hurrying through life, we miss a lot. We're never fully present where we are. We're always trying to get to the next thing. I miss out on a lot of the good things God has because I'm so, unless we're driving somewhere, I'm so con- in, intent and focused on getting where I'm going, I'm not enjoying the drive there with the people I'm with, maybe having some silence with the Lord while I'm driving, maybe with, with a friend or family, maybe time to sing a song of, of joy or maybe a song of sadness if I have lament in my heart. We hurry as a people i think me and angie most of our fights in our married life has been because i've been in a hurry right you think so babe the I majority mean, it, it of, of my to... annoyance is waiting for people which is not bad it's not bad if my kids go to the bathroom before we leave i think hurry it's a type of stress and it escalates everything else like whatever yes, else does. you're having to deal with if you're also in a hurry it just makes it seem that much more Stressful. And his remedy for hurry, there's a few things. Um, he talks about silence and solitude. Now, for an in- introvert, this is easy, right, babe? Yes. Like <laughs> for you, jam. this is your jam. Like you're good <laughs> at this. If you're an extrovert, this is a tougher thing. Mm-hmm. Being silent, being alone, um, learning how to be okay by yourself is very important. Um, and a lot of our youth, uh, millennials and Gen Z, cell phones has made this thing really hard to be yeah. alone and to be quiet before God. Um, it is, as, as Lamentation says so well, it is good to wait upon the Lord. 
Um, but we're used to constant. What's it called when you're constantly like seeing new things? Stimuli. Constant stimulation. We don't know how to be bored. And I say bored, not a bad thing. We don't know how to just sit and mm. be. To sit on a back porch without music playing, without a cell phone in our hand. And so, what, so that's how that's solitude is one of the remedies he gives us for, um, for being so hurried. Um, I have a book here that you might like called Invitation to Silence and Solitude by Ruth Barton. She's a great writer. Um, if you want to read deeper in Silence and Solitude, this is a really good book on that. It's Silence and Solitude by Ruth Barton. I'll put these in the comments later. Another great book on Silence and Solitude is The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. This is a book that this guy did dishes, and as he did dishes, he was just silencing his soul and being with God. And just even in this dish doing, very similar to your dad taking out the trash, he found in, dude, and I have, one of my spiritual um, places of great rest is cutting wood. I'll go chop wood, and I'm just, um, Dave writes, I also like the recommendation to specifically pick the longest line of the grocery store mm -hmm. and let someone else cut in front of you. <laughs> that's slowing be intentionally slow you know what and I one way I've been doing this try to intentionally slow my life down is instead of jumping on the highway around the city of Flint I'll just drive through the city I'm like I'm gonna drive I'm gonna drive slow through the lights and who knows what God I might see some homeless guys I know for me I just it just I don't have to rush everywhere I'm going now, I think another thing that he doesn't say in this chapter that's really a, a remedy for a hurried life is Sabbath. Yeah. Learning to rest well helps us to learn. And I'm. this may be the hardest thing. I, I think I have another book here on hurry by uh, Jane, or John Mark Comer, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. This is a fatty, fat book. It's a, like practice presence of the God. Look how little that is. It's an easy read. This is a bigger read. But the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry is all about learning how to slow. And a really, really good book, that is. So we're just giving you lots of books to, if you want to read further, you can. Uh, but Sabbath, resting. Yesterday I took my phone, I just put it over in the kitchen and left it there for hours. And man, just being, not having the dings or the vibrations. Just having a day of just being present, of napping, of... Um, it was great. It was great. Um, so hurry. Um, an unhurried life is a powerful discipline to learn how to be present with God and not to be in a rush the next thing. Any other thoughts, darling? Um, just I think that the intentionally slowing or taking a Sabbath, it, it kind of resets because he gave lots of examples, and I think this is true of a lot of us, is that we tend to get so used to being in a hurry that we're in a hurry even when we don't need to be like we're not running late we're not you know we're just like we're just so accustomed to always rushing to the next thing and filling up every available moment that we just rush around instead of just you know intentionally slowing down it kind of just resets our pace like i am why am i hurrying i don't need to be in a hurry um, and he even distinguishes how Jesus was busy in that there was always a lot to do, but he was never in a hurry. So we don't need to think like, just because I have a lot that needs to be done or a lot of things, you know, a lot of claims on my attention, that doesn't mean that we have to rush through all of it. We can intentionally slow down and, um, yeah, and just be where we are. 
Now, the last chapter of this is a chapter on prayer. Now, this is... Prayer is so foundational in the Christian life, it's unreal. I quoted Evelyn Underhill last week. Uh, from a, he, I found that quote in the book, The Ragamuffin Gospel, a book we'll be reading in December, I believe. Um, and there's this quote that says, Reading can be second only to prayer of a, as a developer of the inner life. Prayer for the Christian, it's, it's where the battle is fought. It's where Christ before the cross. I mean, a lot of people talk about the cross and everything Christ endured upon that cross, the physical suffering, the being scourged, the being mocked, the being whipped, the, the hanging on the cross for those six hours. But he, he was ready. His time in prayer and getting to a place of peace with God before it even started is where the battle was fought. It was fought with the Lord before the physical pain even started. Um, who's the missionary who said, is it not Carrie? Is it Livingston who said, prayer does not prepare us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. This chapter on prayer is just a simple, I mean, it's a small taste of the power, the, the depth, the richness, the beauty of being with God in prayer. Um, one of my favorite books I've ever read on prayer is Timothy Keller's book on prayer. Timothy Keller's book on prayer is one of my favorite books I've ever read on prayer. Um, but from this book we just read, from, from, um, from Ortberg, his chapter on prayer. Oh, I'm in the wrong place. Interrupting heaven. One thing he says... And that I, I think he challenged, I think Foster told us to do this too, I think in Foster's book, this idea that prayer changes things. I don't know, did he say it or did Foster say it, that if you do a Bible study on prayer, is that, is that, that wasn't Orphan, was it? Oh, you didn't read this chapter, you bad, you somebody bad. Somebody said last week on the video, Ooh, we were going through chapter five. baby. Um, I did a Bible study on prayer years ago. Years ago, and one thing that should have stood out to me as I as I did this study was that most of many, many of the verses on prayer talked about how it changes things. Like it says things like, "Seek and you shall find; ask and it shall be given to you; knock and the door will be opened to you." There's so much of Christ's teachings on prayer is about the power and effectiveness of prayer. But many of us are so afraid to talk to God, to ask God, to... I'm not saying He's a genie or a vending machine. But many of us don't know how to ask. We don't know how to talk. We don't know how to listen. We don't know how to... We just, we just, and we, we don't know how to talk to Him because we have such a lack of practice. When I first started praying... Two or three minutes was all I could muster because I would just, I, I, you know, get bored. I'd, my mind would wander, you know what I'm saying? And lately, as time moved forward in life, I need five, ten minutes just to get warmed up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I need time. Like, Martin Luther, and Martin Luther's a crazy person, okay? Um, Martin Luther, the crazy German, once said, I find I'm so busy, I must pray three hours a day. And I always made me laugh because it's, it's just a funny thing to say out loud. Um, 
of all the disciplines we've talked about today, I think prayer is foundational to all of them. I mean, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew 5 through 7, Christ lists three habits that he assumes his followers will take part in. He says, when you give, when you fast, and when you pray. Three. Prayer is something he assumes we'll do as followers because prayer is simply us saying, I need help. I need you. I miss you. I long for you. I love you. This morning, me and the staff, we prayed for many people in our church that are going to the doctor today, that are financially um, in hard places, either unemployed or underemployed. We believe prayer changes the world. Um, Any thoughts, babe? This book, again, is not meant to make you feel bad. I don't pray enough. Listen, there are seasons I pray a lot, and seasons I, I there are seasons I'm more in the Word, seasons I'm more in prayer. There's seasons I'm, I'm fasting more than I'm. It, 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 life is different. Okay, don't. If you're not doing everything awesome, don't don't just crush yourself over it. The goal is to grow in our ability to love God and to love others. And to be loved by God and be loved by others. If as you approach the Lord this is happening, you're doing something right. Change should be occurring. If change is not occurring, maybe it's time to start training at something. So that is our, our book club for this, this time. Uh, about half an hour that we'll do. 2954. <laughs> Dang, Gina. Um, now, for next next month or next week, we're doing chapters 7, 8, 9. We'll go 7, 8, 9. 7, 8, 9. Woo. Woof. So that's our reading for next week. Um, yeah. We'll be uh, putting out our reading list probably in the next week for the entire year. So look forward to that. We're doing this book club all year long. Hoping to have a lot of Angie with us because she makes every conversation so much better. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, keep on reading. Um, we'll see you again next Tuesday. Yeah, darling? Yeah. All right. See you then. God bless you all. Thanks for the conversation. Thanks for texting and commenting. Uh, in the little box. If you're watching this later on, um, go ahead. Oh, man, Dale, I'm so glad. Dale writes, I've already gotten so much out of this book and can't wait to practice adding more joy not being in a hurry to life. Amen, brother. Uh, this book, we chose it because it's just so, it's so rich and so um, accessible, mm -hmm. so, practical. so practical. And I just want to give uh, those of us who have found the Lord um, just some encouragement as you go. So we love you guys so much. God bless you. We'll see you all when we see you this week. Grace and peace. Bye. I don't have to turn this off. Okay.